You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All they do is win, 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 no matter what. Yeah, you gave up on the Texans, but the Texans didn't give up. They have won five in a row. The final 42-23 to over the Dolphins. Another huge Texans win as they keep it rolling. We'll break it all down for you. But uh, first, just want to welcome everybody aboard. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson from Fanside's House of Houston. Thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We go at this daily, and thank goodness the Texans are winning because it makes it so much easier. Deshaun Watson, 16 for 20 with five touchdowns. Lamar Miller, 18 carries for 133 yards. Will Fuller, five catches, 124 yards, and a 73-yard touchdown. DeAndre Hopkins, two touchdowns. Jordan Thomas, two touchdowns. Yes, rookie Jordan Thomas with two touchdowns. Brian, so many positives from this game. And I tell you what, they scored 42, but it could have easily been so much more. Probably the 10 points on the board that the refs took off for the Texans. Uh, so, I mean, you, you can't complain at all with this game from the Texans all the way around. Right, right. With Jordan Thomas, you know, he could have had, you know, that touchdown, te- the catch that he had earlier, you know, that was back in the third quarter. He would have already had that, but they called a penalty on Greg Mance. And it is just one of those penalties that, I mean, I don't think that there's nothing else more he could have done in that situation. But, you know, with as resilient as this offense is, with Deshaun Watson running it, we were still able to score. And how about the performance he had today? He had just as many touchdowns as incompletions. He only incompleted four pass, four passes. And, you know, he passed uh, for five touchdowns, um, of course. So, you know, it was kind of slow at first, you know, coming out of the gate. It was a quick three and out. And we were thinking we're going to see the Deshaun Watson against Jacksonville, you know, more of a game manager trying to be careful. Well, he did that, but. In the second quarter, that's when he really started to get aggressive. He started making really great throws, and he was running, but he was smart uh, with the football. You know, he was throwing it away. He slid when it was necessary. He didn't go out there and, he, and sacrifice his body. So I'm thinking two weeks ago, you know, the Texas staff said, we've got to figure out a way for us to be successful and not get Deshaun Watson killed out there. That should have been the plan from the get-go, but maybe they looked at it and said, what we're trying is not working. So uh, here we go. 14-yard run he had, that, just a beautiful run. And the good thing about this is that Deshaun's not racking up the running yards as he has in the past. He only had 14 yards rushing. That was that one run, beautiful run that he had, uh, which was earlier in the game. That was in the second quarter. What we saw out of Brock Osweiler, exactly the same Brock Osweiler we saw with the Houston Texans. You know, throwing those check down passes. Every now and then he'll get a deep ball going, but, you know, he made mistakes. And our guys were right on top of it. Justin Reed with a, you know, an immaculate reception on that, you know, and uh, I, I just think that uh, they, they looked really, really good out there. Yeah, I only, I only saw, I mean, I don't know about you, I can only think of one hit, one major hit that Deshaun took. It was right after yeah. he released a pass, maybe in the first or second quarter. 
Can you remember any more than that? I mean, I, I can't. No, I, I can't. It, it's just that he, he was really smart with the football. When they were closing in on him, he'd either throw it away, or if he was running, he would slide. And that was the whole gift of it. And, and I'm glad he's doing that. This is what he was doing last season you know, through those seven games. It's like he had forgotten how to do it when we started up the season. So, hey, if the Chevy, you know, if it's cold, if the engine's cold, you got to turn it over and pat the gas to get this team going. I'm, I'm kind of euphemi- using a euphemism here about this, but I, I th- that's what you have to do because now people are going to start talking about the Texans in more of a positive way. You know, I'm sure they hate to be uh, the butt of everyone's jokes, you know, on the morning talk shows and whatnot. But come next morning, people are going to be talking about us and saying, We've got a chance to win this division and and do, you know, something. Hopefully, we have a postseason. We'll, we'll tap the we'll tap the brakes a little bit on this win because it it is the Miami Dolphins, and yeah. you know they're they're beating teams, but these are not the best of teams. I think the Jacksonville win was big because it is a division win. But who who knows where we are with Jacksonville right now? I I, I say let's tap the brakes a little bit, but like we said, the schedule going forward is not a bad schedule and the Texans seem to be getting a, just a little bit better every week. They're not making anywhere near as many mistakes and Bill O'Brien. Uh, we can credit Deshaun Watson for not getting hit. We can credit this offensive line, but a lot of it was look, the play calling, the creativity, the way that they protected him the by certain uh, plays that they were running and misdirections and stuff like that. That was a big part of it. Also a big part of it, to be very honest with you, I mentioned Lamar Miller's 18 carries for 133 yards. Big part of it is, Brian, the Dolphins' defense against the run. And we talked about this with our friend over with Locked On uh, Dolphins. Uh, we, we talked with, about it with him, the Locked On Dolphins host, and Zachary. And and and, and that was the deal. Their their defense against the run is, is bad. They gave up 200 yards last week. I don't know if you saw, but uh, yeah, Matt Burke, the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins, as soon as he gave up, uh, they gave up that touchdown catch to Hopkins. Um, I believe it was the fourth catch, you know, of the five that Deshaun threw. Um, he was wide open. Yeah, there was no, you know, covering anybody. And he just runs his way into the end zone. It was a beautiful catch, and he just started to to take off uh, from there. He just takes his tablet, I'm talking about the defensive coordinator, and just chunks it on the ground. I'm pretty sure it's disintegrated into many pieces and whatnot, but it goes to show what struggles the Dolphins are having right now covering guys. 200 yards, that's unacceptable. And, you know, Adam Gase, he may need to be looking for a defensive coordinator. I don't know how much trust he has in his guys right now, but I know he's just as upset as of, of the whole situation as just the whole Dolphins organization. So um, I, I'm just so glad that these guys are clicking right now on both ends of the football because, you remember, it was always something. Whether it's the offense would be going or the defense, you know, they, they would be off. We couldn't quite get it all together. This is the first game that they've been clicking on on all cylinders. And, yeah, I mean, we're, we got some more positives from this one. I, I, I want to come back in just a second, though, and hit on some stuff that, you know, it wasn't good and, and it wasn't necessarily the Texans play. Uh, it was some other stuff, and, and it's not super negative, but there are some major concerns moving forward, and I ought to get to that in just a bit. But just want to remind you, if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends. Let them know they can find us on Spotify, the Google Podcast app, and iTunes. You can support our show by sharing the links 
to our show with your social media followers and take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. The more people listen, the more likely we're going to continue to bring this to you on a daily basis. But we need listeners. Get the word out, people. And you can email LockedOnTexans at mail.com for questions or comments. I will get back to you. I promise we will put it on the show. If we think this is something new that we haven't discussed, we'll we'll bring it to our attention on the show. So make sure you do that. And don't forget, hey, you want to make a little money off some NFL games this Sunday. If you bet on the Texans, you won big. If you want to make some money on other NFL games or even the NBA, go to mybookie.ag. Remember who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. They've been in business for years, have great reviews. Their mobile website's easy to use. And I'd only recommend a site that's been a, you know, great to me and Brian. That's why I urge you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They've got in-game live betting over unders on fantasy points scored. The most rewarding player perks in the business. business. And if you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central time, they'll give you an additional $25 free play on deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate the offer. That's LOCKEDON25. Easy to remember. Visit my bookie online today. And if you wait till six, you get an extra $25 free play by using that promo code LOCKEDON25. Go ahead, wait till after dinner, take the extra money. My bookie, you play, you win. You get paid. All right, Brian, there was some stuff that is concerning, you know, with the Texans, not necessarily uh, plays on the field, but what happened to some of the players on the field for the Texans. The only super bad negatives were that they lost Jonathan Joseph and Zach Cunningham to ankle injuries. I mean, Cunningham without, uh, you know, without Dylan Cole, that's concerning because you don't have as much depth as you did at the beginning of the season. Jonathan Joseph, obviously, he's been playing great. The veteran, you don't want to lose him. Again, they played a deep an offense with not a lot of great, great wide receivers, so they were able to survive. And, of course, they're facing Brock Osweiler. But, Brian, the one that I'm always concerned about is Will Fuller because he's such an integral part of this offense, what he's been able to do when he's been out there with DeAndre Hopkins and that knee injury late in the game uh, did not look good. And it's being reported and this is we're right after the game. So things could change, but it's being reported to be an likely ACL tear. So, you know, that, that, that could be um, at least a few games ACLs. I think they're not um, season threatening at this point, but it could be a few games. Remember, the Texans' buys coming up soon. The Texans have a week off this week, so that's you know a weekend off this week. So that's going to be you know ten days till their next game. But that's not what you wanted to hear because you know without QT and the hamstring issues, and he always has those. You need one of those two guys on the field to offset DeAndre Hopkins. But the hope is is that he did after that play. He walked off on his own power, and he walked kind of briskly. He wasn't limping or anything like that. You know, to, you know, the applause of the crowd that he was able to do that. But uh, I I really do think that it may not be as serious as what we think. We can only hope that's the case, because if it was a serious uh, ACL injury, they would have had to go get the cart for him. And he was able to just walk over to the silent. And, you know, because we were up by so much, they just held him out as a precaution. I think with 
you know, all this rest, and then we go play Denver, or the Texans go play Denver, and then also uh, you'll get the bye week after that. You know, if he has to miss some time, that's understandable. I think we can beat the Broncos uh, without him, but it just really, really depends on, um, you know, how everybody else is doing. Speaking of Zach Cunningham, Josh Kai's got a lot of time, just signed him, uh, you know, this week. So recovered you know, that crucial onside th- kick too. that. that yes, was he big. did. Yes, he did. And he had a, a, a beautiful uh, tackle, uh, you know, earlier. I they believe that was on uh, Brock Osweiler, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Josh Kyes was looking good out there, and he has that same explosiveness that that we were watching, you know, during the preseason. Um, it was an explosive play, but that play actually was called back. That was actually going to be a touchdown, but it was uh, Natrell Jemerson uh, with the touchdown run after he had knocked the ball out of Brock Osweiler's hands. So, you know, look at Kyes. He's already making plays, you know, stepping in for uh, Cunningham. So, I, uh, I I definitely definitely uh, hope to see more out of him. Yeah, but. and and you you mentioned that play and 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 I just you know it's something that I was noticing. Uh, Romeo, we, we took some shots at him early in the season because we were wondering, wait, is he starting to get washed up? You know what's wrong with this defense? But he was dialing up some really smart blitzes. He's he's done a some a, a good job with that the last. A uh, couple of weeks, uh, Ty Matthews got a couple of sacks on some design blitzes that really worked out well. Romeo really mixing things up. Yes, it's Brock Osweiler and Blake Bortles, but it's stuff we weren't seeing earlier in the year with quarterbacks that aren't exactly fantastic either outside of you know Tom Brady. But um, good job by Romeo. Let's talk about that play, though, Brian. What did you think? Was that a Texans touchdown? Do you think that should have been... Uh, called the touchdown. It it should have been a touchdown because you know it was the the whole situation that was whether it was a a forward pass, and you know it. I thought it was all about you know where the ball ends up rather because the ball was behind Brock by the time it fell, and then Jamerson was able to scoop it up and run it in. That looked like the old tuck rule, which I thought we got rid of. His arm was moving forward, but the ball wasn't necessarily. You know, in vicinity, I mean, the ball was already coming out of his hand. And so I, I thought the play should have stood, but they, you know, overturned it. Yeah, the the, the refs, you could say, I mean, you know, depending oh. on what you think of that play, the refs definitely cost the Texans, what, 11 points? Because there was also that just totally bogus call early in the game on the field goal attempt where Joel Heath gets called for a hit to the head and the shoulder area of the long snapper. And, 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 and that's something where Brian, you don't call that unless you're absolutely sure, because you know, that's, that's a huge call right there. And I get the rule, but it's not one of these things where like, you know, the guy was hurt or anything like that. And it's not anything where, you know, I, I felt like his head snapped back. I, I don't know. It's like, that's such a big you're you're ch- changing the outcome of the game potentially with that call and and it, it's something where I just I didn't get why they felt like oh we've got to make that call right there and I tell you what um Mike Pereira was basically mm-hmm. on the Texan side on, on just about everything you know the only call that I can think of that maybe the Dolphins uh, be- uh, might have not benefited from was there was a tripping call on special teams. I thought that was a tripping. I was surprised they didn't call that one. I don't know how they missed it, but um, the, the the game changers were that were the touchdown, like you mentioned, by Natrell Jamerson and that uh, and that one on the field goal attempt. 
Just back to, to Joel Heath, I mean, it, it has to do with, you know, this was to prevent, you know, the concussions, you know, you know, getting to the head. But, you know, with the shoulder, it was shoulder to shoulder contact. And then Pereira was saying, hey, you know, this shouldn't be called for anything because it was shoulder to shoulder contact. And that was the situation uh, there. But again, um, you know, who knows what would have ran, what would have happened there. But it did give no, them the first. What would have happened there is the Texans, there would have only been a field goal instead of a touchdown. We know what would have happened there. And that's also I I want to make one last comment on it is in that, you know, it's one of those things where I, I feel like that should be replay, because if we're doing um, if we're doing some of these uh, head, you know, helmet to helmet or the these, uh, you know, the ones that are head that we're going to review that. And this is a scoring play and it involves supposed head, con- you know, head contact. I, you know, I think that should be reviewable. I, I, I just don't get it. You know, you make these rules for safety, but I don't know the the refs. <laughs> I think they're being a little too careful there. Sometimes you just got to let the guys go out and play. Yeah, and and so a lot of the calls that they were calling earlier in the year, you know, some of the you know head first calls or whatever that the 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 ones that they were trying to protect guys, even some of the roughing the passer penalties on the quarterback. You've seen them ease up a little bit. You know, they were strict early, kind of setting a tone, and they've kind of eased up, but. Yeah, those were those calls were. I mean, I just don't think they were really good calls. And luckily, the Texans are playing the Dolphins and they're playing Brock, and they could get away with it. You looked on defense. The the only thing I would say, you know, necessarily bad about the defense, like we said, the only real negatives are are the injuries. But early on, it looked like the Texans' defense against the run uh, was not good. I mean, luckily, it, it got better as the game went along. But there were some huge holes. I mean, and there was uh, some not great tackling by the Texans early in the game. And J.J. Watt, as much as he makes plays, there's a lot of times where you're just like, J.J., you know, notice the running back every now and then. Maybe play that sometimes because, you know, on the touchdown he got beat uh, when he ran right past the running back who had the ball and it was an easy touchdown. He was going after the quarterback. But there was a couple of plays where, you know, he's just nowhere near in position and the running back has get some easy yards. I mean, we, we put up a lot with JJ because of the stuff that he can do for you. But I thought in this game, there was a lot of things where it was just like, come on, JJ, you know, just, this is the, this is the dolphin. Just play some, just basic football, you know, just, just get the, just make the easy play, make the basic play. Um, because, you know, I, I think that with this Miami offensive line being not good, I think he was trying to flash a little bit too too much early in the game, but it didn't matter. I mean, the, the Texans got it done for the most part on defense as the game went along. And did he flash two early sacks? I mean, Brock Osweiler barely had a chance to to get the ball off the snap before he was standing right in front of him, ready to sack him. I mean, that's the kind of game he was having early in. But you know what? It's all about coming in on a national televised game and setting the tone. And that's what J.J. Watt did. Sure, he could have been better on the run, you know, you know, defending on the run there. But uh, I think overall, uh, the thing that he did best, because he kind of, I'm not saying he backed off a bit. It's just that, you know, we really didn't have to worry about pressuring Brock Osweiler because we had a lead. But he really went in and set the tone. And Kenyon Drake, he had 58 yards. That's uh, 4.8 yards per carry, and he had a touchdown. I think we limited him just fine. They're probably more worried about Lamar Miller getting another uh, century mark rushing game, his biggest rushing game 
probably in two years. He had uh, six, 18 carries for uh, 133 yards. That's 7.4 uh, yards per carry. So you, you definitely got to be proud of that. But uh, going back to when we were talking about the, uh, the, you know, the penalties and whatnot, there was one with Kareem Jackson. It was a big kid on Gesicki, you know, that the athletic tight end slash, you know, whatever you want to call them. There was no call on that. And, you know, uh, Buck and uh, Eichmann, they were all talking about, you know, hey, this that was a big hit. He came in with his helmet and nothing was called. So I don't know what you really think about that. But, uh, you know, it's just it's a situation where, you know, it has to be called uniformly if they're going to uh, enforce these rules. I don't think it should have been called that way. It was a clean tackle. It was just an explosive tackle. And plus, he had help from Tyron Matthew coming right behind him. So was it to the head? Is that what they were saying? I, I missed that part. Yeah, Gasicki, because uh, the way he came in, leaning in with his helmet, because Kareem Jackson was speeding toward him with his helmet. And, you know, you could hear the sound of <laughs> the helmets hitting as soon as, you know, he, he tackled him and nothing was called. And because uh, it would have been had he caught that ball, had it been successful, that would have been a huge game for the Dolphins. Uh, but he was able to stop Gasicki pretty quickly. Right. And that's what I was talking about earlier. I mean, that's you know, that's what I didn't catch that play. I was uh, sort of in and in and out on some some stuff. But, yeah, I, that that to me was like uh, that. That's the play that they probably would have called at the beginning of the year and maybe that they've eased up on and. You know that's debatable, but yeah, it seemed like the tech. If this this ref crew was much much worse on the Texans, but they weren't good. They didn't look good on national television. That that's for sure. Got a couple more things I want to get into, but just want to tell everybody really quickly. Cool news for the Locked On Podcast Network because if you subscribe to Locked On NBA, that podcast with uh, David Locke uh, every single week, Sam Amick of the Athletic formerly of USA Today. You guys will remember him from there. One of the best NBA reporters in the country is going to be coming on again on the Lockdown NBA podcast with David Locke every single week, along with Ben Golliver of Sports Illustrated. So that is really cool. Uh, go check out Lockdown NBA. Go check out, uh, if you're an Aggies fan, our new Lockdown Aggie show. And of course, Lockdown Rockets with our friend Ben DuBose as the Rocket season is already off and rolling. All right, Brian, just a couple more things to get into uh, as far as I've got. If you look at the Texans' offensive possessions, and this is this tells you a little bit how good they were in this game. So they had a couple three and outs in the first half, but you know the second possession, uh, Lamar Miller touchdown. Uh, third possession, Jordan Thomas touchdown. Fourth possession. Really, it was a holding penalty by Jordan Akins that cost him in that drive and ended up forcing him to punt because they were rolling again in that drive. Uh, then it was the second three and out. Then they ran out the clock at the end of the half. But then if you look in the second half, uh, it was the Watson to Jordan Thomas touchdown. Then there was that, I thought, another bad call in this game on the pass interference on DeAndre Hopkins after he makes that unbelievable one-handed catch and that play should not have been a pass interference. The Texans yes. would have had the first down about 30 yards down the field. So that could have been another scoring drive. And that was the only punt uh, in the first, uh, well, in the first five possessions of the second half, because after that it was Watson to Fuller, 
with that great wide open uh, catch by Fuller for the touchdown. And then uh, Watson to DeAndre Hopkins. Somehow they didn't cover DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know how that happens for the 49-yard touchdown. And then it was the one late uh, with the two-yard touchdown from Watson to Hopkins on that scramble play. But, I mean, if you look at those offensive possessions, I mean, it it, it was just uh, fantastic all the way through the game. On the defensive side, you know, we mentioned a couple of weird things that happened um, because of the officials, but one of the crazy plays that got the Dolphins a field goal was that, remember that immaculate reception that the Dolphins ended up with that goes like (laughs) 50-yard, it goes, what is that? What was that, like a 40 or 50-yard play or something like that? Yeah. I mean, that's just luck. I mean, that's all that was was luck because that was a great hit. And you knock the ball loose and everything, and then they just, you know, right into the other receiver's hands, and boom, you know, it turns into a 50-yard. The Texans were lucky that didn't turn into a touchdown. There's a big play at the time because it was 28-17, to 17, and that field goal makes it 28-20, to 20, and it gets them within one score. But, I mean, if you look at it, just some – I thought it was just some weird bad luck, or this this would have been even a bigger blowout. True, true. And, and just talking about the offense, uh, we talk about – you know, I believe uh, maybe a, a week or two ago, we talked about Deshaun Watson throwing in tight windows. Well, he, he threw that pass in the third quarter. It was the uh, second touchdown pass of Jordan Thomas to put them up 21 to 10. He goes right, he goes left, and then he strikes. He has a linebacker that has his hands up running in front of him. And Puss goes over the top of another linebacker that seems to be turning around looking at Jordan Thomas, who is still kind of open. And then he catches the football. So, you know, I, I we got to look it up on Pro Football Focus. What's his, you know, numbers on tight window passes? But uh, that was really good to see because he does not throw a lot of those. And I would love to see him throw uh, more of those as his confidence builds, as he gets more healthy, um, as hopefully this injury uh, gets eradicated um, as the weeks go on. Yeah, overall, not much to complain about from the offensive side of the football for sure. And this is the first week we could say that. It's it's nice. It's nice. The Texans, five wins in a row. Anything else that comes to mind before we close up shop on this one? I'd like to say that Bill O'Brien, with his play calling today, it, it it was pretty sound. I mean, he went for it on a fourth and goal in the second quarter and ended up being a touchdown. Uh, I, I believe that was a touchdown. If that was the one to hop, if I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. So uh, pretty good there. Uh, I just want to say that Greg Mance uh, did a terrific job with, with the blocking and uh, on the run as well as pass blocking as well. When Zach Fulton gets back, we really have to make a tough decision on what we do with Greg. Greg can't go to the bench. I I can't allow him to go to the bench because he has been playing some really good football out there. Yes, he got the penalty, but I would like to see him more out there. And if Senio Calamante has to be the sacrificial lamb, I'm all for it. Put Greg on the left. Put Zach right over on his natural position at right guard or vice versa. Whichever one is stronger, they should be strong on both places because it's all about versatility, right? So (laughs) (laughs) so we'll we'll have to see. But I really, really do want to see more of Greg Mance uh, out there. That that Mance penalty was not – I didn't even think that was that bad because that was just an odd play. Oh, it sure was. It sure was. Uh, 
um, Clowney, you know, he, he had his moments, but um, he got hurt. I, he did go back into the game, I believe. They had to scoop him up, and I, I think he's okay because he wasn't on the list of guys that uh, had concerning injuries. Just keep an eye on him on the injury report, you know, before – you know, next week's game against the Broncos, but he did have a tackle for loss. So that was right on uh, Devontae Parker. So that was, that was pretty good uh, as well. How about that run by Lamar Miller? Yeah, it was all the way to the Miami nine. So it was so quick, speedy and, and elusive. Lamar Miller had his way this game and that's what's working. Getting Lamar Miller, the football, he was finding the lanes, just figuring out ways to, to scoop up all those yards. I don't know what the situation was earlier in the season. Maybe he just, you know, like we said, he wasn't getting the lanes where they weren't blocking for him, but he seemed to get a lot of space to be able to go out there and operate and, and do his thing. Uh, but that that's another thing I want to say about uh, Lamar Miller. But um, we talked about it, but uh, there was a trick play that was done. Brock Osweiler passes it back to Dami Amendola throws it out to Kenyon Drake for the touchdown. So, you know, Adam Gase got cute. We took the bait. We didn't even know that Danny Amendola was going to throw a touchdown pass, and that is only his second of his career. He did do one uh, with the Patriots uh, a few years back. So just wanted to let you guys know of that. He was probably celebrating a little bit because he's got family in the – I mean, he's a Woodlands kid, and he went to Woodlands High School. I remember covering him way, way, way back in the day when he was over at at the Woodlands. But – I tell you what, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There, there was some just weird stuff for the Texans that kind of didn't go their way. That that immaculate reception you mentioned just now, that of course, Amendola's touchdown throw, you don't see a lot of that. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's uh, maybe a blown play a little bit by the Texans, but it was a really well-called, well-designed play by the Dolphins, so you got to give them some credit with that one. Uh, Alfred Blue... Lamar Miller with the good game, I thought. Uh, Alfred Blue, he drove me crazy. There was a play. The Texans were on the 10-yard line, and there was this massive hole to the left, and Alfred Blue, for some reason, tries to run into the offensive lineman and into the defensive pushing back at the right. And I'm just I'm, – I'm practically – yelling in my head, you know, cut it back there. Look at that hole over there. What are you doing? I mean, there was just like this big area of green on the left side and uh, he just doesn't take it. And that's the problem with Alfred blue sometimes is, you know, he, he uh, doesn't read the holes super well. Lamar Miller sometimes can be that way too. I mean, blue did have this one play. I, I, I want to give him credit on one play where he does kind of a Le'Veon bell. I don't know if you remember this. He's it's on the left side and it looked like he just kind of stopped for a second. I was like, wait, does he have the ball or did Deshaun keep the ball? And then, boom, he jams it into fourth gear and takes off, you know, over the left guard over, uh, I think it was Kelamete, and picks up another eight to ten yards on the play. And I was like, wow, that that doesn't look like a Texans running back at all. So, Blue, he had a bad moment and then he had a good moment, I guess. So that Maybe they equaled each other out. But... Overall, you know, it's the Dolphins offensive line. I want to see that, you know, I want to see it a couple more weeks in a row, the running game and the passing game kind of working together. Well, the Broncos are going to be a good test coming up at mile high. You know, that's going to be interesting to see what the Texans offense, you know, where they are with everything. But yeah, overall, I think the Texans uh, played their best game of the year. 
They look like they've gained a little bit of momentum with each successive week over the last three weeks. So that's good. Uh, after figuring out how to just eke out wins, and I feel like getting some help from the other team's coach, you know, that, that was big. But, I mean, if you look at it right now, Five and three, they're on pace to be 10 and six this year, Brian. I mean, that's where I had them when the year started was 10 and six. And they look like they're uh, they're on pace. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, my my 12 and four prediction, it's still intact. It's barely holding on by a thread, but I don't see that happening. The, the losses are going to happen, but, but I think they're going to protect enough. 10 and six is very plausible. Um, I'm hoping 11 and five. That, that would be nice if you could you know, go all the way and just lose two games you know, from there. That that would be terrific. Uh, but some guys to keep an eye on, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson got some play because of Jonathan Joseph going out. He did get 20 snaps last week. And, of course, he had way more than that uh, out there. He was able to help, uh, you know, Justin Reed to get that interception. He had a hand in that as well. So keep an eye on Iron Mike um, he, he may be a guy that's going to be trending with the Houston Texans uh, as well. But just want to go back to the incredible one-handed catch uh, by Nuke that was called off by the pass interference. You talked about it earlier. But, boy, that would have been a great play. Uh, that would have been a great pickup uh, altogether, period. Uh, but when you look at the play, I mean, he gave his elbow a little bit. I'm talking about Hop. But you know, his defender, they, he gave a lot more than uh, you know DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it, it, his defender was a lot more physical. I, I just can't believe that they called that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Nuke is right-handed, right? I mean, that was with his left hand, and and yes. and, and, and he yes. did it with his left hand last week too, right? That that play against Jacksonville. That's correct. That's correct. Because he was fending the guy, the defender off with his right elbow, but he has the one-handed catch with his left. I mean, what can't this guy do? I mean, just just purely amazing. Absolutely. Uh, just a, a, a big win for the Texans. I mean, I, the, you know, we can talk about who they're playing, but you can only beat the teams that are right there square in front of you and, and they're getting it done. Five straight wins. Wow. Five straight wins for the Texans. Before we go, I just want to remind everybody also, um, I know some of you might just listen to the post game, but we've had some cool guests. Uh, we had uh, Seth Payne on a couple of weeks ago. Go back and listen. It's just it's still interesting interview. Uh, Steph Stradley from the Houston Chronicle. You know, if you downloaded that immediately, I just want to remind everybody, If you um, right after the, the download, uh, there was a little screw up with the audio. I went back and fixed it. So, so re-download it all over again. Don't forget also that LockedOnTexans.com, we've got great writing, lots of new writers. Uh, over there, Andy and Calvin and Brandon do a good job, but we've added Joe. We're adding more guys, and just look for all of that over on LockedOnTexans.com. You know where to go with Brian. It's HouseOfHouston.com. That's a fan site affiliate for all of his work on all Houston sports and my Houston Sports Talk podcast with my co-host, RG Seal, as well. That's all we got for a happy late Thursday night. As always, though, thanks for making us a part of your week, and have a great weekend. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.